Welcome to the Geomologist Presents. I don't know if it'll be a long show today. I do have some call-ins. Anthony Runeslinger Boyd calls in to talk about more Warhammer fantasy. And I got a birthday message, so I guess that means my birthday continues. The longer I keep getting birthday messages, the longer that extends my birthday. But you know what I really want to do today? I will probably give a slight recap of our last Warhammer Fantasy session, just as a response to Anthony. But um, the main focus is going to be RPG a day, 2022. It's week one. I'm going to lump all the who, what, when, where, why, how together into one and try to do these weekly. I kind of wanted to get this out on Thursday, which is like the middle of the week, kind of, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the middle, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, three on each side, right? Seven-day week. Um, but uh, yeah, busy, busy week at work. So yeah, let's get into it, and uh, we'll start with the calls first. Hey Carl, it's Anthony calling from the car, or should I say slinging some runes from the car. I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to answer my question about getting over this stalled momentum, you know, post-learning the game and pre-being able to get a pitch out in front of the people who are likely to to play the game with me. Um, I'm not used to having this happen. I usually have quite a few ideas to choose from when when pitching a new game or, or a new system or whatever. And there's so much stuff in Warhammer. Just It catches me kind of feeling flat-footed that when I sit down to think, well, what kind of pitch am I interested in offering, that we just kind of stall. So your suggestion of... You know, not using pre-gens and of putting character creation before the pitch, which is, you know, a fun way to play any game, really, um, I think is the perfect solution to this problem. Uh, until the characters are made, there's no point in making a pitch. And once the characters have been made, we can all collaborate together, as you said, on why. <laughs> these particular people would be together and what we are interested in doing with them in the setting of Warhammer Fantasy. And once that happens, if still no pitch presents itself, then I think at that point it would be fine for me to throw in the towel. <laughs> but I play with a, a really creative group and so it just might be that going through that process of making characters and figuring out their relationships and figuring out their motivations and what they could possibly do could speak to someone else in the group. We're all, uh, we're all a bunch of game masters anyway. 
and someone else might um, come up with something as a good pitch and, and get us playing the game. And then once that happens, that could be what's required to start up that peculiar alchemy of creation. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, sometimes you just need to play a game. So anyway, thanks again for taking the time. And I enjoyed the, uh, the recap as well. And, you know, <laughs> again, made me want to, to get the thing to the table. I, I wish I was the type to run published adventures, but I, that's not really in me. Anyway, thanks. You, Anthony, for the kind words, and I'm hoping this will help you to jumpstart an awesome Warhammer fantasy campaign. There's so much material uh, out there, and it seems like you've read a lot, so hopefully creating characters will inspire you. Now, I actually did have one session between then and now of our Warhammer Fantasy game, and, and I guess, well, we definitely, we finished Death on the Reich, completely finished Death on the Reich. We're going to move on to Power Behind the Throne. We've had a really fun time playing this, this campaign, and I was shocked here at the end that I got one over on the characters. I was able to destroy the endurance, or at least for all practical purposes, make it inoperable for the next adventure. I don't, I don't know why. I guess we they kind of felt it was like some downtime and they didn't think anything would happen and they were safe and Kemper banned. They were hired to to haul this stuff all the way to Marienburg, which I guess should have set up a red flag because they want to go to the capital city and then on to Middenheim. They keep hearing about this carnival in Middenheim and some of the leads they found in Castle Wittgenstein uh, seem to suggest going there next. So why they're taking this big job to Marienburg is beyond me, but everything looked on the up and up. They were supposed to take, you know, some Cathay and porcelain. Uh, they were a little suspicious, but not so far suspicious that, you know, they micromanaged the situation. There was some fine print that the lawyer found, but it was more like a liability and culpability between parties which actually helped them, helped them actually in the end. So, you know, they let people unload what they had, buy it at a premium, load this Cathay and porcelain, and they went to a party and invite um, by the person who hired them, a Matthias Blucher, uh, to celebrate his wedding anniversary. Uh, they even, even bought finery, spent a lot of money. I guess they were so loaded with gold, and maybe that was it. It was the the lure of gold or having gold with them. Um, there was one weird incident that I, they had reminded me. We went over, we spent some time actually going over all the loot that they had found. And there are some things that were unaccounted for. And there was this one vial full of sloshing green liquid. And one of the players uh, decided to open it. Um, he actually he had gained some corruption while holding onto it. And this was Ulrich, the one-armed. And he said, you know what, I'm going to, yes, GM, I will listen to your dark whispers and open it and take a drop and a sip. It tasted like over-spiced ginger, and, but some strange warp dust tendrils came out. Uh, no one got injured. Moroster the elf quickly, or actually Reginald quickly closed it. Moroster grabbed it and said, Ulrich, I'm holding on to this. Now, they wanted to destroy it initially, but it seems that Emmerich could tell that it might lead them to the missing warp stone. 
he feels like he could perform some sort of magic ritual to do so. Um, it's a bit suspicious. They did confront Emmerich about lying that he didn't know about the warp stone or the box that he said was destroyed, but it hasn't come to a head yet. Um, and I won't say anything more because yes, Emmerich has secrets. Of course they do. But I, so they went to this party all dressed up. They felt kind of like wallflowers. They heard some strange things about the Blucher family, namely that his wife, Katerine, was a Wittgenstein. And if that didn't set off a red flag, well, um, when they were headed back to the boat, it was on fire. Uh, the stevedores were apoplectic, trying to put it out. The player characters in their finery helped to put out the fire, but it was just definitely damaged. Matthias Blucher shows up and is apologetic. Fortunately, Sebastian, the lawyer, read the fine print and said, well, you guys owe us the repairs for the boat. And Matthias said, we will talk about it tomorrow. So Matthias gave him a counteroffer to then take this crate, a uh, 100-pound crate, um, totally sealed with a sealed letter to Middenheim. And I think they felt that there was definitely a setup, but maybe that will benefit them because if you know you're walking into a trap, well, maybe you can fight the trap better. So that's where we are in Warhammer Fantasy. It's been really cool. Um, what's kind of neat, and it kind of ties into RPG a Day uh, 2022, is that uh, I know we've been playing for a while, but uh, both uh, the player who plays Ulrich and the player who plays Marastra are new to the universe. They're new to the Warhammer Fantasy game. So we were able to introduce new players uh, to this game. But uh, that is not the game I'm going to talk about or who I would like to have introduced to a new game. I will get to that after we hear a call from Joe Richter. Yo, Carl, because you said it's never too late to wish somebody a happy birthday, I wanted to call and wish Amy a happy birthday. I hope it was an awesome day for her. Uh, the game sounds awesome, man. I also picked up that call, the Cults of Cthulhu book. I think it's really, really cool. And the game itself sounds totally fun. When, when I played Good Society, which is set... I think around the same time as your game was, I don't know, but I had such a hard time staying in character, man. That, that time period is so not the time period that I live in, man, but I'm glad the game was awesome. I hope everyone had fun and I will talk to you later, dude. Peace. Oh, Hey Joe, thank you for the call. Yeah, it was a really fun game. Again, I, we did like a actual play recording and I got to clean it up. And I don't want to give quite a recap, maybe. I think I'll give a recap, maybe as part of that recording, you know, like a summary of what happened. But um, yeah, thank you for the birthday wishes. I will let Amy know that you wish her a happy birthday as well. Maybe she'll hear it on the podcast. So the meat of this podcast, RPG A Day 2022, week one. This is a cool program to be positive about gaming throughout the whole week i i've done pretty good i, I think this week 
I don't know if Jason threw down Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast threw down a gauntlet or challenge, but he said, "Are you going to play a game or run a game every day for the month of August?" Well, so far Monday, Hostel, Tuesday, Call of Cthulhu, Wednesday, Pathfinder Two, Thursday, Warhammer Fantasy. Today I'm recording and going to put out this podcast. So not really a game. Amy and I are probably going to watch Tombstone instead of playing a game. She hasn't seen it. And and then tomorrow, I have a game, an OSC game, Temple of Elemental Evil. And we might go uh, play, do some uh, participate in the playtesting of Hunter Z Occult, a Kickstarter for a new... Well, there is a Kickstarter. It's a new game being created by Storywood Games, and the Kickstarter is out right now as part of Zine Quest. We might do that tomorrow night. And then Sunday, we have Jackals. And I, I believe the Paradar game is going on, run by Dungeon Musings of Kevin Madison. And if I finish my work, I will be able to participate. So all days but one, and then it starts over on Monday, and we'll see if I can keep it up. Um, but hey, here you go. Let's talk about the prompts for the week. And I've actually, what's kind of cool is... We have been able to do, Amy and I have been able to introduce a new group of players to some, to a game we've been on having and running ongoing. I think I'm going to run it. I think if we are going to run a session of it on Sunday, which is kind of neat. And that is a game, Deadlands. We have these longtime friends, David and Melissa. We've known them forever, a long time. We met them actually sharing a table in the beer garden at Flying Saucer. And we've hung out with them ever since. We've seen their boys uh, graduate high school, graduate college. And that's actually who we want to introduce to the RPGs. I talked to my buddy David about it, and I said, hey, do you think they would? And and they both play video games, and I think one of the sons has played some, but not really. But I would like to introduce them to the Deadlands game. And I think Savage World, so who would I like to introduce? My friend David and Melissa's sons to the hobby. Because I think a family that plays together stays together. I mean, Amy has embraced the hobby. She wasn't a gamer to begin with. We've had a lot of fun and great times. I really need to sit down, buckle up, and continue uh, the solo game or the dual game that I've been running for her. I just got to, you know, other things have been taking the time, but got to do it. But what I think is a great introductory game is Deadlands, is Savage Worlds. It's Weird West. Um... And I think it will be a really good game for them. Their parents play it. I think they'll like it. I think um, Savage Worlds, it, it doesn't read so great, but on the table it is, it is a fun and fantastic game. It's very dynamic with both cards and poker chips for action cards and initiative and bennies. And uh, I think it's intuitive the way you, you put together your mini dice pool of uh, your attribute or ability, skill, and a wild dice. And I think it works really well. And it's a pulpy game full of action. And uh, Savage Worlds would be my choice, and specifically in this case, Deadlands. And for me, when I was introduced to RPGs, I, you know, I, I remember seeing the, manu- the monster manual at Michael's. I don't know if you guys have Michael's around you. We still do. But I, I remember getting the monster manual at Michael's and and wondering what the hell this was all about, right? Because they staggered. We didn't get the tools to play, really, at least in my neck of the woods, until later, um, the DMG and the Player's Handbook. But then 
my parents seeing me with this book, uh, they bought me the mold vey. Um, so I was able to get the mold vey for Christmas. I was in sixth grade. So was it that my parents introduced me to it? I, I don't know. I guess you could say they did. But really, maybe I introduced it to myself and a cousin and I tried to play it and figure it out, playing sort of the little randomy dungeon in the back and throwing randomy monsters. Um, that's what I remember. <laughs> and where would I host this first game, though? I mean, that's how I was introduced. I don't know if I would introduce the players to D&D. Right, so because of Savage Worlds and you have Savage Pines, Pathfinder, that could be an option. But I think we're really going to stick with Deadlands and introduce them into the ongoing game. And we'd host it. We were thinking, so the boys uh, come down uh, for Thanksgiving and Christmas. They were thinking Thanksgiving time. And if one of them can't come, then we can do them in remote. And I think they'll like this game, I, I think, for uh, for the reasons that I outlined. You know, they're going to like it because, one, their parents play. Two, it's, uh, it's something they're familiar with, uh, the Old West, um, something dynamic and pulp and full of action. And um, and I think that's why they're going to like this game. And really, you know, I think I've done this in the past, and I've been part of like organized play, and and maybe it's time to dust some of my other books off and try to get more people playing RPGs. We were very successful this week uh, in Amy's birthday game, honestly, um, with some Call of Cthulhu. I'm a part of the. I don't, it's not the Courts of Chaos, but. The Chaosium has an organized play group, and I've been I've been part of it and trying to run games at conventions and run my own games. And I think, uh, in a way, that this uh, this was kind of part of it. Uh, this birthday game, you know, the Cult of Chaos—that's what it's called. And uh, that's how I think I will try to get more people to play RPGs, just make my own things, run my own things, get more involved in uh, online and physical conventions with the Cults of Chaos. Um, I don't can't recall if, and maybe they do, if Pinnacle has an organized play. But what's great is we have some uh, authors here in town who are very uh, involved in in product, in creating product for Pinnacle. That's uh, Sean and Robin Proser. And uh, they, they've made things like Rippers and uh, Kaiju Savage Worlds product as well, uh, as long as contributed to many others and and maybe i'll ask them if there's an organized play and so savage worlds i guess the cool part of the system that i love and it is it is really the highlight of the system is really the meta currency and i know um there's been some talk in other podcasts about how meta whether or not meta currency works in this game or the other but i think it's kind of built in to savage worlds i that's one of the hallmarks and highlights of it you have uh, the wild dice. The dice can ace. That is that they can explode if you roll the highest number on that dice. And then you have bennies, which is like a, a re-roll, or it helps you to soak damage. And it's built into the game, so you know you toss your poker chip and do your re-roll or soak soak your damage. And I think um, that's a really cool part of the system, Savage Worlds, that I love. That I will try to introduce. And I think we're going to do it either Thanksgiving or Christmas this year uh, to David and Melissa's kids. So uh, wish me luck. We'll probably talk it up between now and then. We'll play some Deadlands between now and then. And um, for sure, we're playing uh, horror at, at uh, 
Headstone Hill. I think it's that's what it's called, but it's an ongoing campaign, and the players have just kind of done some cool things and are really getting into the next act of the um, mini campaign. So, yeah, Savage Worlds for the kids. Well, really, they're, I should say, really, they're not kids. They've graduated college, but I guess we call them the kids, the boys. So, anyway, I think we're going to do it. But anyway, that's my week one of RPG A Day 2022. I hope you enjoyed it. It's going to be one of my shorter episodes, which I guess is kind of cool. And uh, we'll talk to you next week about this, but I'm sure there'll be a podcast uh, in between. So have a good one. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you want to leave a message here on this podcast, you can uh, on the Anchor or whatever platform you you, uh, parse these podcasts on. Or you can send me an email at geomologist at gmail.com. The intro and outro music are by TJ Drennan. My wife Amy does the cover clip art. And thank you all for listening.